grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which engages us is just one verse in our gospel lesson for today, Matthew 16, verse 23, where Jesus says to the disciple Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, well, how do you think Peter felt? Put yourself in his shoes. Christ turns to you and says, get behind me, Satan. Peter must have been shook to his very core. And yet he had just unknowingly been a spokesperson for Satan. You see, Christ began to tell his disciples the hard truths about what was going to happen in the days to come. Namely, that he was going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, and be killed, and on the third day rise again. Peter objected in the strongest of terms. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And in saying those words, he was actually expressing the will of Satan, that Christ not go to Jerusalem and not make atonement for the sins of the world. Peter had been setting his mind on the things of man, and so had the other disciples as well. They wanted a Messiah who would come and reign in great power and glory. A Messiah who would throw the Roman ruling class out and set up an earthly kingdom for them right then and there. A Messiah who would return the nation to the glory days that they knew under David and Solomon. And Christ had already displayed a great deal of power and glory right in the presence of his disciples. He calmed the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee with just a single command. He fed 5,000 men and who knows how many women and children with just five loaves of bread and two fish. He healed many people of their illnesses and diseases and even brought people who were dead back to life once again. That's the kind of power and glory the disciples wanted to see in in their Messiah. And that's the kind of power and glory that they wanted a piece of as well. On more than one occasion, they argued amongst themselves as to which one of them would be the greatest when Christ came in his kingdom. And then there was the time that the mother of James and John came to Jesus and requested of Jesus that her two boys, James and John, would have the positions of power and glory, one at Christ's right and one at his left, when he comes into his kingdom. And scripture tells us that when that request was made, the other disciples were indignant, not because they thought the question was inappropriate, but because they wanted those places of power and glory for themselves. The disciples were setting their minds on the things of man, on power and glory and prestige, They didn't want to think about a Messiah who was going to suffer and die. 
That didn't fit their concept of who the Messiah would be and what he would do. And likewise, there is a temptation. There is a danger for us as well to set our minds at times on the things of man and not on the things of God. Now, I want to be careful here because it is not that God is unconcerned about things like our house, our car, our clothing, our career. In fact, far from unconcerned, God is the source of all of these blessings in our lives. As Luther puts it in his explanation of the first article of the Apostles' Creed, God richly and daily provides us with all that we need to support and sustain us in this life. He is the source of all these blessings and gives them to believers and unbelievers alike. But the problem comes when we set our minds on these things and not on the things of God. Obviously, Christ did not come to this earth so that we could have greater power and authority and prestige or wealth and earthly riches. And for those who would set their minds on the things of man, Jesus has a very pointed question in our gospel lesson. He asks, what would it profit a man if he gains the entire world and yet forfeits his life? The things of God do not emphasize power and authority and wealth and riches. Instead, they include a Messiah who came not to be served but to serve, a Savior who became sin for us and died for us in what looked to all the world to be an act of great weakness and defeat. But it was the plan of God all along. As Jesus so accurately predicts it in our gospel lesson for today, and as he is going to accurately predict it again two other times in the Gospel of Matthew before it will actually take place. And Jesus goes on to delineate what it means to set our minds on the things of God when he says in the very next verse, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And friends, we can't do that by ourselves. We can't do that without God being active in our lives on a daily basis. It is so hard for us to deny ourselves. For we live in a world that tells us we should take care of our own needs and our own desires first. And unfortunately, we still carry around an old sinful nature that encourages us to do the very same thing. But to deny ourselves is with the power of the Holy Spirit to renounce that old sinful nature and all of its desires and wants. It is to say no to self and yes to God. It is to say no to some things that by our old sinful nature we might enjoy doing but things that we know we shouldn't be doing and aren't pleasing in the sight of God. I can't enumerate what all of those things might be for each of us here today, but each of us knows what they are in our own lives, do we not? 
And we pray to God for the faith, the strength, and the courage to deny ourselves saying yes to God and no to self. And Jesus goes on to say that having our minds set on the things of God means that we will take up our cross and follow him. Now here we have to clearly understand what Jesus meant when he used the phrase, take up your cross. We have a way in our everyday conversations to use that phrase, bearing a cross, in a very general way to talk about any hardship or any problem we may have in life. For example, someone who has the daily struggle of the pain of arthritis might say something like, I guess it's just a cross I have to bear in this life. But when Jesus uses the phrase, taking up your cross, he's not talking about any general problem in life. He's talking about hardships and problems we have as a direct result of following him. In other words, if we weren't Christians, we wouldn't have these hardships. We wouldn't have these problems. And so for us, as 21st century Americans, those crosses might include such things as being ridiculed for our beliefs and our positions on certain issues, maybe even being accused of being hateful and non-tolerant and non-inclusive, maybe even being estranged by some relatives in our own family, or perhaps being discriminated against, even without our knowing it, by an employer who is not a Christian and doesn't like Christians very much. And as hard as these and other crosses might be to bear, we have to admit that they pale by comparison to the crosses that Christians are bearing in some parts of the world today, where confessing Jesus Christ as Savior might lead to their execution. Places like Iraq or Egypt or Libya, and the list could go on and on. Now, are we as Christians going to be able perfectly every time and in every instance to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him? We wish the answer were yes, but we know only too well that daily there are times when the answer is no. There are times daily where we say no to God and yes to self. There are times daily where we have in mind not the things of God, but the things of man. But fortunately for us, There is one who perfectly humbled himself, one who was totally and perfectly committed to the things of God and not the things of man. And by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, his perfect obedience is credited to all of us. And that's because the things of God include a God who is compassionate and loves us, a God who desires our salvation, not our destruction, a God who sacrificed that which is most precious to him, his only son, so that we could live with him for an eternity. And this morning, that same gracious, compassionate, loving God invites us to this altar
where with open hand and open mouth we will receive from him the things of God that he has promised, namely the body and blood of his Son, the forgiveness of all of our sin, and life. What a wonderful thing that we can come forward and set our minds on these things of God as we receive them from him side by side. And almost lost in our gospel lesson for today is the fact that the things of God include not only a crucified Savior, but a resurrected, risen Savior. For Jesus says not only he will be put to death, but on the third day he will rise again. And he did, exactly as he predicted it. Not just a spiritual resurrection, but a physical, bodily resurrection. And so will you. And so will I. And so will all who die with faith in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as God's redeemed children, we pray for the faith, the strength, and the courage to deny ourselves daily, pick up our cross, and follow him. May God so grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. We confess the Christian faith in the words of the